you cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life. And we are doing a special episode of Live on Purpose Radio tonight. I have my good friend and colleague, Garrett Gunderson, with me. Hey, good to be with you, Dr. Paul. Garrett, always good to be with you. Yeah, I always I was... feel enlightened. I feel inspired anytime I have an interaction with you. So thank That's you. That's good. Great. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm excited to have you here. Now, the reason this is special, I've had Garrett on the show before. You might think, well, this isn't special. And we've had a show together before in the past. We have. And then you took that show over as I, I don't know what happened, but it, well, it was good. Booted you. <laughs> Live on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We had some fun on the, uh, on the airwaves here in Salt Lake City. Um, talking about principles that free people. The concepts or ideas that create liberty in the lives of people. And, and you and I are both passionate about that. And that's something that we've, we've committed our lives and our careers to in a little different way, uh, but really the same principles. Right. And those principles govern. We're going to talk about some of those today. The other thing that's special about today is that we have callers with us live on the line from all around, well, we know at least all around the country. Yeah, at least from California to North Carolina. California to North Carolina, Louisiana, we've got Colorado, there's California, people all over the place calling in. And listening live, we're going to give them an opportunity to comment here in just a few minutes. So all of you listeners, just hang tight and uh, start thinking up your questions for Garrett Gunderson. Now, Garrett, as many of you know, and if you're live on the call, you already know this, but if you're, if you're catching this on the podcast later on, this may be news to you. Garrett Gunderson is a national best-selling author of a book that I think is going to become one of the icons of personal finance. This book is called Killing Sacred Cows. And that title has a lot of significance. I just got an email before I, I, I uh, came on down to the studio and said that uh, one of, someone that knows me pretty well said he was talking to a gentleman today and he said, oh, I was going to the bookstore, saw this book, it's called Killing Sacred Cows, I had to buy it, I really love that title. He goes, hey, that's my buddy that wrote that. So yeah. we're starting to get emails on a regular basis of people picking mm-hmm. up the book. Went to buy it when I was in Chicago and the bookstore had sold out, which is uh, you know good and bad. Yeah, good and bad, but uh, it was pretty exciting. So, well, you don't want to deny those people who want to buy it. Yeah, got to make it available. I but was trying to buy time. a copy for Roberto, who was with me. Oh, so. there you go. You didn't have an extra copy with you. Nope. Book tour. Forget the copies. Well, I had given them all out the day before, <laughs> there so you, go. I, you know, uh, gave them all out rather than keep them through the week. So, well, this is exciting. You know, I think I have something at least somewhat unique to contribute to this contribution. Now, Garrett, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm a little bit clueless when it comes to economics. You are in the acknowledgments here, though. I, I am. Yeah, yep. I noticed that. Thank you very yep, much. Yep. I appreciate that. I am a psychologist, and my business is helping people with their paradigm and with the way that they think. And this is what you're doing, too, but specifically in the field of finance 
and economics and getting people to start thinking a little differently. When I said that I have something at least somewhat unique to contribute to this conversation, I've known you for a while. Right. And I remember conversations that happened, and everything starts with a conversation. Isn't that fun? Yep. I remember conversations that you had, not with me, but ones that I was aware of or that I heard or I was present somewhere, and principles were being discussed. Principles that were making a real difference in the lives of real people. And you have a passion for that. When you get in front of a room, you just you light them up with this passion that you have, and you can help them to see and connect with those principles that then they can apply in their life. And as I saw you teaching these principles and having these conversations, uh, I watched this other process with you as, you as you started to define how to best apply your unique abilities and talents to, to your mission. Mm-hmm. And this is part of the result of that effort. As yep. you've brought together those ideas and those concepts in a way that it's accessible now to the masses. So I've watched that process, and I feel honored to have been a part of that, because here you are, uh, New York Times bestseller list. Yeah, that was pretty fun uh, to, to get that. Not, it wasn't as, the journey wasn't always fun. It was all right, but uh, it's, I'm glad that we made it. Well, it's like anything <laughs> else, isn't it? It's just a lot of work. Yeah, it, a lot more than I expected, though. Can you but, give us just, since we've got this small, intimate group tonight, Give us a picture of that. What was that like for you? Most of us haven't been there. Well, first of all, if you see any book or any person on a bestseller list, know that there was a lot of people involved beyond the author to get it there. I mean, by the time that this book is out here and you see the, the new version with the nice green cover and the white cow, the, the, the pill back to show the money, and this, this book compared to the first book is, I think, extraordinarily better. Because the editors and, you know, the publishers Mm -hmm. and my book promoters and co-author and, you know, just even the experiences and lessons I learned from clients and from people I interacted with. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just, that's phenomenal. And so you think about putting together a book and you think about sitting down and putting together the content, maybe writing it out. And uh, that that took a long time because I tinkered with it for too long. Tuesday nights. Mm. Okay, Tuesday nights. Let's Mm. work on the book. And I would, I got 72, maybe 75 pages into it and didn't like it. And so almost nothing mm-hmm. that was that original book, which was called The Strongest String, is the strongest even string. Yeah, The Strongest String. And it was really about, you know, uh, the jungle book when you think about the elephants that had the chains on their ankles. And so they mm-hmm. just learned that they were captive. They couldn't break the chains. And then they, through that conditioning, just put strings around their ankle and they didn't try and break the string because it was might as well have been a chain in their mind. Yeah. And so that was kind of the concept and, and I went through and, you know, worked on that and, and just, it, it didn't happen. And then the plane crash happened with Ray and Les, the, my business partners and your friends. Mm. And then there was just, you know, some darkness that came after that and, and struggles within mm. the business to the point where I was saying, no, you know what, I'm not doing what I love anymore. I don't feel comfortable getting up in front of a room and speaking tomorrow because I feel like my life's a little bit out of balance. I'm working too much, not spending enough time at home. I don't feel like mm-hmm. I'm an extraordinary father right now. And uh, you know what? I'm going to take 30 days and I'm just going to start to you know, go meditate and work on content. And I called up uh, Steve Palmer, who's the co-author, and I said, let's get serious about this book and let's knock it out in 30 days. 
I'm like, December's the month. I'm, mm. I'm in a mode to write. I'm in a, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to take time away from just the busyness and, and just, you know, this lack of clarity because I was just so constantly in action without putting principle behind some of that mm-hmm. action. It was just got to take mm-hmm. care of things, got to take care of things. And we've made a lot of progress in December. And you remember coming down mm-hmm. when we, uh, in that, in December, when I drove down to St. George and spent some time with him, I said, what do you think about the intro? Yeah. You remember that? Well, you, you laid this manuscript on me. Right. And I read through the intro to the book, and there was some discussion going on about the title. There was some discussion going on about that how to That was probably the hardest part of the book, by the way. We, yeah. And, and it, was, it was funny how the title came about because we were actually the next day just sitting in a library in a conference room. And we're outlining mm-hmm. chapters and we're going through the concepts. And, you know, Stephen had spent like $40,000 going to different educational things mm-hmm. that we were either putting on or co-sponsoring or mm-hmm. at ourselves. So what a great author that way that he had oh, already he, learned this. He and gets he was, it. He was yeah. a financial planner touting the myths before. So he was actually confronted with his own limited beliefs and had to make a choice in his own life. That's right. And I mean, just so everyone knows, mm-hmm. this book, you know, since we're given a lot, a lot of the background, mm-hmm. is a confessional at times for me. I believed yeah. in many of these myths, and not only did I believe in them, I got patted on the back to teach these things. Mm-hmm. I have personally said that you're in it for the long haul, out of my mouth. I've told people to dollar cost average, that the market's on sale, a lot of these cliches that really came about. And you know what? It impacted my marriage. Speaking of, uh, you know, live on purpose and some of the things mm-hmm. that you do and helping people be powerful in their marriage, it impacted my marriage because I was a Scrooge. I was. Mm-hmm. I was a Scrooge. I just tried to save every last dollar, every last penny right. because I figured if I was a millionaire, that was the mark of success. And I could tell mm-hmm. people, look, I'm a millionaire. I, I made it out of this small town and, and look what I've been able to do. And it was almost like a pride. You know, I was, it, was, it was prideful and it was limiting. And it was definitely limiting to my lifestyle and especially my wife's lifestyle. So fortunately, I learned early well, on. I don't know how Carrie tolerated you. Well, how does she still tolerate me is, <laughs> is the real brilliance of her. But, uh, yeah. you know, really, our marriage is much better past, you know, after that first year because mm-hmm. I was more into co-creation and being a team rather than buying into a myth. And I believed mm-hmm. so heavily in the myth that I wasn't even willing to hear a conversation around it. So if she said, mm-hmm. you know, let's buy some some clothes since I'm a teacher now and these college clothes aren't necessarily like clothes a professional wears, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like a surfer all of a sudden getting a job. Maybe their surf clothes aren't maybe appropriate for a corporate the job. Shorts, right? Right? And mm-hmm. so I was like, well, no, that's going to hurt our net worth. Oh boy. You know, dots on a piece of paper, numbers. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is how I thought. And I recognized how valuable was it to learn that that wasn't correct or wasn't the highest good or the best mm-hmm. way to create at an early age. And so right. many people were telling me, because as I was teaching in the financial services arena, why did I know about this before? I wish I would have only known earlier because I was working with a lot of people in their 50s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there, there isn't as much information, although you can find some great authors out there that are saying very similar things that I'm saying. And there mm-hmm. is that information. It's just not as much as what you hear about the myths. There's billions That's of true. dollars going into promoting the myths for institutions to have people mm-hmm. not think for themselves, to have people just set their money aside so that the institutions could do something completely different than what people are doing. And so you got to realize right. that comes from, and, and right now I think we're at risk, by the way, because people are talking about it being re- a recession and, and mm-hmm. about economic hard times. And these are the times myths are formed. These That's are the right. times people start thinking, 
oh, well, you know, we got to hoard, we got to accumulate, we got to, that'll be safe. And, and they don't know what to do. And that fear just really is in their gut. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. their, their opinions are shaped and That's it's right. shaped in scarcity and survival. And not, the marketing is around that. Not just opinions, but habits. Habits and, and they become beliefs, which mm -hmm. are sacred cows. See, sacred cow is an unquestioned belief that just people mm -hmm. just think it's the way that it's supposed to be. Let me comment about that too, Garrett, because part of what I teach people, the psychology end of this, is that you form your beliefs in, in much the way that you've described here. You know, you have experiences in life, your circumstances, people your that situation, care about you tell you it. People are telling you this stuff, and it and it forms this belief. But then the belief goes home, and home for your beliefs is in your subconscious mind. Right, the subconscious mind. It's a place that you're not even aware of. That's why we call it the subconscious. Right there, you go. And so it goes and resides there, and it starts to shape and and give form to everything that you're doing, and you're not even aware that you have that belief. And until you become aware of it, first of all, and this is what I love about your book, Garrett, is that you go through and you just you outline them. Here they are. You know, do you believe this? And most people will acknowledge, yeah, I've kind of been taught that. That's kind of what I think. But it just resides in that subconscious mind where you don't even have access to it. Right. And it's sacred in the sense that you don't question it. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know how people call tissue Kleenex? Right. Like it's just synonymous. It's just mm -hmm. interchangeable. But Kleenex is a brand. That's right. Kleenex is a brand. A sacred cow becomes just interchangeable. It becomes a cliche that people just accept it as true, mm -hmm. where it's almost just, inter you know, it's just right there. So some of our listeners have certainly read Killing Sacred Cows. Some of them may not have. And uh, do you think I should answer the first question that I took forever to get to? I'll try and do it in yeah. 60 seconds or maybe. 120 seconds go for it but what it you know to become a new york times you, bestseller no no because oh. then i'll get you know <laughs> get a little bit nervous there go ahead but Garrett, no pressure so it's not just about writing the book and editing the book it becomes very much about marketing the book and about um hiring the right team and we actually rewrote the book um to in, in anticipation of becoming a new york times bestseller and then figuring when someone reads it how do we keep the word of mouth going how do we get it where mm -hmm. someone really enjoys it and there's different types of readers out there different personalities some people like all the detail and they're very analytical. Other people, they just like the highlights and they like stories and other, mm -hmm. you know, other people like to, uh, you know, there's just different types right. of readers. And so sure. not only did we reorganize it that way, but we had to determine, all right, there's a media tour. I had to hire a PR firm and mm -hmm. uh, we had to create an entire marketing strategy. And then we had to create a website. And even in there, it's not just any website. It's how do you get people to stay on and how do you really grab their attention? How do you create a lot of value for them and make sure that where they're, what they're trying to get is what they get? And, you know, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. even the 401k hoax, which is how do you make sure to make your money back? I mean, honestly, that's why I put out 401k hoax initially because we were saying this is like a $750,000 investment. But what's mm -hmm. great and, if, and, and a testament to what I'm talking about in the book is this is an investment for me. Oh, absolutely. Some people think of investments as only stocks. This is my stock that I have so much more control over. Mm -hmm. But I still brought a great team around me, just like any business, and said, who's the board of directors to really make this happen? Because there's a lot I don't know. There's a lot that I couldn't mm -hmm. figure out on my own. Well, and as you were launching into this, and this is, this is really the human side of all of this, people who are close to you, Garrett, were able to see that you were, you were grappling 
with your own myths and with your own beliefs and, and just trying to accept that there was a different way to to take on life. And and for you, part of that is accomplishing this feat, which is this book. Right. Um, just the outside onlooker is not going to understand what all goes into that. But I think it's important for any of us who are, who are on the line tonight or who listen to this later through the podcast to know that this is a very human experience that takes a lot of work to do it. But the other thing is Garrett is sharing here a wealth of information. You and I have a common friend, Leslie Householder, Mm -hmm. who is also a best-selling author of The Jackrabbit Factor. Right. And she talked about this as well, where uh, she had paid, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand bucks or something to attend seminars to get her own education. And I look at what you have invested in learning about the concepts that you're now teaching in this book. It's a huge investment that you've made in your own human life value. And now you're selling it for what? Twenty one ninety five bucks or something. And what's funny is as you talk about, you know, I'm, I put all this money in investing. You know, the most expensive investments were the ones where I didn't get the education. I went forward with the investment. That's right. They were much more oh, expensive yeah. than, yeah. you know, it, putting this book out there or mm-hmm. a lot of things. And it's not only because of, you know, the, the money that you lose. It's because of the energy that you could potentially lose by mm-hmm. going, what do I do about this or the scarcity that it might create? Right. And, and so that's another compelling reason for me to put something like this out there mm-hmm. and you're saying that's right yeah so this is this cost me a million at least maybe two but it costs everyone else 21.95 <laughs> <laughs> but you do have to read it you know it, does, it doesn't just happen of its own <laughs> right right you're gonna put in a little more investment on your own but what a what an economical way to do it to capture the knowledge and the experience that you have, put it into this book. Anyway, fascinating experience. I think anyone who takes their knowledge to this level where they're able to uh, to get it out to people the way that you're getting this out to people, it's just phenomenal. And so I just commend you for that. We probably ought to get into some of what this book is all about. You know, we caught up now. You and I, we got to have a little conversation. We, we have to have the <laughs> chat. That's right. Every so often. Just as... Maybe an introduction, and then I want to open up the phone lines and just see if somebody uh, has some comments or questions that they'd like to ask or discuss with you. I think it would be helpful to uh, just hit, maybe in summary fashion, what these myths are okay. uh, that you've outlined in the book. Maybe uh, any comments you want to make about why you included that one, because there's more than what you've listed here. Right. You've listed nine myths as the content of this book. The first one is the finite pie. Can you comment about that? Yeah, and I start with that one because that's the most important one to get. Scarcity. Right, scarcity versus abundance. There's so many people that feel that if someone else succeeds, it's at their expense. If someone Mm -hmm. else has more, that means that they have less. That it's a finite world. One person gets a piece of pie, there's less pie for everyone else. That's a belief that's out there and you can pick up any... Mm -hmm. um, I'd say just go find a publication today. Just go find a magazine, go find a newspaper, and you're going to mm-hmm. see plenty of evidence supporting that scarcity exists. Mm-hmm. This, that's how I even really wrote about it in this book is I was, you know, I have this little joke with my wife that I want to be a rock star because we have this party once a year and I usually play my <laughs> guitar and all yeah. this kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, it's like I'm a little rock star. And so she bought me Rolling Stone magazine thinking it was about rock and roll. Mm-hmm. It's more about politics than it is anything else. And so <laughs> I'm reading it one morning and it shows a picture of a very, very large man eating 
and and he's as big as skyscrapers and just obese and then there's these little tiny people down below and he's eating a piece of pie and the little crumbs are falling down to the rest of the people and it was basically an article Mm. saying that the pie is finite that the world is a zero-sum game that it's win-lose transactions one person gets something the other one doesn't and if we think about sports a lot of times that's the mentality out there this competitive you know one team wins the other team loses and that's just the way it is in life and in business but the thing is we all have a sole purpose we all have our own abilities and our own talents and our own experiences. And we have things that we do better than other people. And it's not that mm-hmm. we look down at other people because we do those better. It gives us an opportunity to serve in a capacity that we have greatness, that we were given gifts. And mm-hmm. when we serve with those gifts, someone else has gifts that are different than ours. And this is what's great. Mm-hmm. Someone has what I like to call the sickness. Someone else likes to do something that you would just be sick to have to do. That's right. But someone else is actually sick enough to enjoy it. Right. And this is like the right, divinity right. of diversity uh-huh. is that someone else can serve you. You can pay them for that service to do something that you would never want to do. And now you could focus on what you do best. Mm-hmm. And that's why you can have both parties win. Both parties can actually win. That the world's abundant because $1 doesn't end at its first transaction. No. It continues on to the Mm -hmm. next person, the next good or the next service. And the best thing for our economy is to continue to create value and keep that in circulation, to keep Mm -hmm. that in motion. And that expands our ability to create wealth and to receive wealth. And, you know, Mm -hmm. this is exchange. If we all had the same abilities or talents, then it would be no fun. And if everybody was locked in that scarcity in the finite pie, they would not exchange. exchange. Right. You, you go, well, no, I want to save and hoard this money, which scarcity was impacting my life early on. I was trying to hoard right. money and accumulate money. It's like building a reservoir and not allowing any of the water out. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it becomes like the Great Salt Lake. It's just a dead place that nothing lives. Well, we've done little exercises in seminars before. I think you and I have been in, in the same events before where we take a dollar bill and you buy something from the first person on the row. And their assignment is to buy something with that same dollar from the next person. You know, what do you have that you'd sell me for a buck? Right. And it goes clear around the room. How much wealth does that $1 create? How about the red um, clip? Or the, the red paper, paper clip. clip. Yes. Right? Love that. Red paper clip into a house. If you're not familiar right? with this, folks, you can go Google this. The red paper clip. This guy started with a red paper clip, and he went out and consistently exchanged it for something of greater value to him. And I have to clarify to him. To him, right. Because whoever was trading that thing to him valued whatever he was giving them. And at first it was the red paper clip. So he made all of these exchanges. He ended up with a house. That's phenomenal. What a great example. So it begins with that. If you see the world from scarcity, if that's mm-hmm. your mindset... You're going, your belief system is going to support that scarcity exists. You're going to look for evidence. You're going to mm-hmm. find it. But the problem is because you believe it, you live it. That's what you feel and that's what your experience is. And it mm-hmm. doesn't matter how much money anyone has. If they're in scarcity, they're never going to enjoy it. They're never going to have that that's fulfillment. Right. And ultimately, they might end up like Ebenezer Scrooge before he has his epiphany or his mm-hmm. paradigm shift mm-hmm. where he's just sitting there accumulating and he's a miser and he's just counting his money and he's alone with his money. And he's miserable. He's miserable. So a miserable millionaire, you know, I didn't want to end up the miserable millionaire, mm-hmm. although I was on that track for a while. Or I even mm-hmm. call it the broke millionaire. Plenty of money, right. but no health, mm-hmm. no good relationships, That's not right. the right mindset, not living their sole purpose, just chasing money. Stuff you can't buy with the money. 
right? And it's not that you have to give up money for the other things. That's one of the fallacies of the myths. Well, if you follow your passion, mm-hmm. then you're going to be broke. Well, there's studies mm-hmm. showing, you know, people that did much more extensive studies than I've done that That's we've right. looked at. And it shows a common, you know, denominator of many people that have a lot of money is that they're doing something that they really enjoy and that they feel a passion towards. Mm-hmm. So That's right. You know, there are those people that have a bunch of money that don't do what they enjoy or have no passion, but why? What good does that do? And, you know, Mm -hmm. I had always believed, well, if I'll live like no one else will, I'll work like no one else will, I'll get up at 7 a.m. and I'll I'll work until midnight and I'll just do that, then later on in life it'll be better. People don't Mm -hmm. have the ability to flip a switch one day and say, I've hoarded millions of dollars because I never spent money and now it's time to spend. Scarcity Mm -hmm. dominates. You've got to have the right paradigm. You've got to have the viewpoint of abundance and recognize that human ingenuity, that human ideas is where wealth comes from. It's the, uh, these ideas that go out there into the world. And so there's not a scarcity of those ideas. There's a wealth of those ideas. And the more those Mm -hmm. ideas impact others' lives, the more exchange, the more value, the more opportunity comes about. But the more people just set money aside, hoard it, and say, once I build millions of dollars in this nest egg, then I'll be financially free. They don't have the right mindset to have that mm. financial freedom. They don't get what financial freedom is, and so they don't get financial freedom. Right. And, and what's interesting is here, here's a book that people think might be pretty financially heavy. And, uh, you know, we start with the finite pie, which it really isn't about numbers. And we even have the chapter, it's all about the numbers, saying it's not really all about the numbers. Mm -hmm. And Publishers Weekly, it was interesting, they compared it to, you know, Think and Grow Rich and The Secret more Mm -hmm. than a financial book. But it said that it had, you know, those Mm -hmm. aspects of really delving into the, you know, what's wrong with financial planning that's limiting people. Because if it was working, wouldn't there be a lot more wealthy people? Right. And... You said something earlier, too, about the institutions that are out there teaching or perpetuating these myths, but they don't follow those. Right. They don't think that way. And the people that most of us talk to, by the way, are good people. 90% of the people out there, mm-hmm. they're doing the mm-hmm. best that they can with the paradigm and information well, they've been like given. Well, just like you were. You were teaching this stuff. I thought I was helping people. See, now you got to go fix all but that. See, yeah, that's, well, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, that's always fun. You know, when I was... Imagine this, I'm 20 years old and uh, I had people in mutual funds telling them to diversify and, you know, that they're in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And in 99, the market's going up and frankly, it's, you know, my family and friends and some of their parents. So I didn't, you know, it wasn't like this huge clientele or, you know, mm-hmm. really, uh, you know, anything like that. It was people that I knew, but the market's going up. They're going, wow, look at the market's going up. This is great. Look at all the money that we're making. And you're a hero. I'm a hero. And then the year 2000 comes. And the market started to go down. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, I didn't have any answers for them that, were, that weren't just cliches. I didn't have an answer that I could really look them in the eye and feel real good about myself with. And so I just had to go to people and say, I don't know what I'm doing. I think you should get your money out. Oh, boy. <laughs> and it, it took a lot of courage that's and it was gutsy. painful. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why Les McGuire and I had such a good relationship right from the mm-hmm. beginning is because he had a similar experience with his clients. Yeah. That's right. And so I thought, well, that, that takes a lot of uh, integrity to do something mm-hmm. like that. But it's that discomfort that triggered you on to seek the education. Right. To say, that, well, what am I going to do? That you now have. But you know what I just realized? Even though you are like this guru now. Which I... expert. I'm not really... Well, that and that's the point. You still got a lot to learn. Right. And, and, and what are you going to learn in the next five gurus years? Gurus are a dime a dozen, by the way. Mm-hmm. This is the thing. What I hope to be 
And what I aspire to be is a mentor. Not a mentor yeah. that means that I know everything or I've got everything figured out because I, I'm enjoying this journey of learning on a regular mm -hmm. basis, but just someone that's powerful enough to ask the questions of someone else mm -hmm. that they haven't asked of themselves. That's right. Well, I think you're well on your way. In fact, you've accomplished that in so many ways already. You know, well, we could go through each one of these myths and have a, a fascinating discussion. We're not going to do that tonight because you guys can go read the book, and I would strongly encourage you to do that. This has been such a, such a powerful part of my own uh, education related to money. And a lot of these principles I was learning kind of along the same timeline you were. Mm -hmm. You've pulled them together in a way that I think is just powerful. Thank you. We're going to try something a little different. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to open up the phone lines for just a minute. Now, there may be a little bit of noise. If, you're, if you've got a lot of background noise in your particular home as you're listening, just hit star six and that'll mute the line. And then we won't hear all of that. But let's go ahead and open it up. We'll have Brennan push that button. And we... <coughs> oh, excuse me. Here we are on a live call and I've got a cough. Hey, it's all right. Happens. <coughs> Definitely happens sometimes. Okay, let's do it this way. If any of you have a comment or a question that you would like to discuss with Garrett, please say your name <coughs> and then cough. Say your name and then cough, and we'll be able to know that. No, we'll think it's Dr. Paul. But, yeah, just say your name, and when you say your name, then we'll say your name back, and that means you're the one that's asking the question at that moment. That's what I was trying to say. Hey, we're on the same wavelength there. I'm going to mute my mic for a minute. Okay. Okay. So uh, any questions that are out there, remember, you've got to hit star six in order to uh, unmute yourself if you did that in the beginning. If you haven't done it yet, then you're off mute. So say your name and then you can ask the question. Ron Apolka. Ron? Yeah. How you doing, man? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. wanted to ask you uh, what... Two or three books do you uh, attribute your journey towards wanting to learn more and, and increase your knowledge like you have were most impactful for you? Most impactful books. Yeah. Well, this reminds me of an episode of uh, Producer Revolution Radio. <laughs> do you remember that time we talked about our reading lists? And yeah. Yeah. I just, I just wrote an article that's going to be coming out in Personal Development Magazine, and, uh, and they asked the three top books. Um, and then three top movies, but I would say that um, that, that wanted me to, uh, books that kind of inspired me to go along this journey. Uh, there, there's a book that that's definitely a classic, and uh, and that you know it was probably the, by far the longest book that I've ever read, and we've talked about it a lot, which is Atlas Shrugged. Um, you could tell that there's a lot of influence in in that book based upon um, a lot a lot of the writing that's out there. But another book that just keeps popping up into my head um, and, and a book that I really loved, and you probably wouldn't expect me to say this book, but I really love the book Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. Oh, yeah. And, and what was interesting is I was actually reading that book on a flight once to an economic symposium, and uh, we had just terrible turbulence over the Grand Canyon, and I'm normally a, get a little bit nervous. And I just read through the book, and I, for some reason, conquered my fear of flying while reading that and that book was just kind of a mm -hmm. just a real good you know inspirational kind of pick me up put me put me on a good good uh, track at the time i read it so those those would be two books that i think i could attribute 
Great, I think he, thanks. Didn't he ask for three? <laughs> I, I said three, but he asked for two. Oh, okay. Uh, no, he, I, I three said is it. fine. Are you satisfied, Ron? Yeah, I heard uh, Alice Shrug, Conversations with God. Was there a third one? Well, I'll, I'll give you another book, and, and I can give this book because I actually read it one and three quarters times, which is huge for me because to actually read a book all the way through mm. is rare. Um, and then I'll just tell you which book's been the most impactful on me lately. So I'm going to give two more books. Uh, the book that's most impactful on me lately is The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Like I'm reading it going, wow, it, it, this couldn't be more timely in a few of the areas. Um, just a very, very powerful book. It's a real um, deep read, isn't it? It is. I, I'm actually reading it a second time right now, and I'm highlighting mm -hmm. it, and I'm going to do a teleseminar on the book talking about obstacles to your soul purpose. Mm, and, perfect. And uh, there's just some real powerful things in there. And then the other book is Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt. Um, he was a journalist, a very good writer, so it was very easy to, to read even though it was an economics book. Probably easier than the Economics of Life Insurance by Saul Hubner. Yeah, that one took me like a couple of years to finally get serious about reading all the way through. And then when I had that big insurance debate on the radio, I actually read it in one night. Mm. So, Well, very good. Yeah. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Mr. I appreciate it, and uh, thank you very much. Okay, I heard another voice. This is Clarence in Sacramento. Clarence. Clarence. Hi. Hey, I just want to let you know, I, I received your book uh, about two weeks ago, and I'm not sure how I got it. Are you, uh, it just showed up. Are you a Nightingale Conant um, purchaser? Do you purchase Nightingale Conant programs? I, I haven't. Uh, I think maybe three or four years ago, maybe I, ha I did. But the book just showed up, and I tell you what, it's been a, a very refreshing and a, and a blessing to receive it because I've been researching this topic as a financial planner myself. And I've noticed that um, a lot of the people, my friends, and I think Ernst & Young even reported something recently that about 75, 80% of, of Americans uh, are like, will outlive their retirement assets. Yeah, that, that's... And uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> so when I read your book, and I, I think I'm about halfway through it, it's just uh, a, a, a blessing to, to have it. And uh, it's, just right, it's just a very timely book, so I just want to thank you for... I don't know how I got it, but uh, I'm just glad I got it. <laughs> hey, there are no accidents. I don't know either, but I'm glad you mm. have it as well. Somebody's looking out for you, Clarence. Uh, I, hey, man, I need all the looking out for I can get. Thank <laughs> you. Believe me. Thank you. Well, pay that forward, will you? you? You know people in your life and in your realm of influence who could benefit from from receiving and, and uh, just having this content when well, we have we have a you know if you go to www.killingsacredcows.com forward slash dr paul just d-r-p-a-u-l i believe i don't mm -hmm. know if you guys if that's right that's right but there's a way to buy the book and get a bunch of goodies uh you can because... get a bulk discount that way too can't okay, you yeah, i don't know I, I i believe you can yeah. and i will put a link up we're going to post this show as i said on uh, liveonpurposeradio.com just jot down that web address, liveonpurposeradio.com. I will have a direct link Great. for the purchase site for the book. And, uh, Ron, for those books that we talked about, I'll have a link up for those, too, so that you can see those on a little on a little uh, widget there. Clarence, did you have a question specifically? Uh, yeah, the only question uh, that I, I did have was that um, uh, how are you going to get this information? I know that you have your book published, but... I just want you to, to, to work as hard as you can to get this out to uh, as many people as fast as possible. 
Well, it's going on. It's it's going on Kindle, I think, next week. So that'll be another avenue. They've been all over me to get it on there, but I haven't liked the contract that I'm supposed to sign, and I'm kind of a stickler that way. I'm also uh, I've, I'm uh, working with Nightingale Conan on a product that's going to help promote the book as well. I'm doing at least one uh, or more. Ra- I'm doing at least one radio show a day where I'm a guest on. Um, that we have articles coming out in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, we're doing everything we can. I, I've committed to do 300 interviews um, or press releases over a three-month period of time, and I've only probably wow. done about, I'd say, 55 or 60 of them. So that's that's still coming mm-hmm. uh, this way. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing what I can. And uh, definitely financial advisors can help in a big way by by buying them and handing them out and, and, and putting the word out there. And I'm open to other ideas and ways of getting it out there because I, it does no good sitting on shelves or sitting in storage. It only does mm-hmm. good when people open it up and read it. I would also invite all of you as listeners to do what you can. Uh, like I said, there are people within your own realm of influence who could benefit from this information. And we will make this available to you, this recording that we're doing tonight, plus another interview that I did with Garrett several months ago about killing sacred cows. And it's a great way to introduce people to the content. Feel free to share the links with everybody on your list. And let's see if we can get the word out. How about uh, anyone else? If anyone's talking right now, we can't hear you. Make sure you Nancy Rodenhauer. Okay, there we go. Didn't catch your first name. Nancy? Nancy, yes. Nancy Rodenhauer. All right, Nancy. I got the book because of Robin Robbins' seminar thing. Great. That I heard you on. Uh-huh. And so I've gotten the book and read it. And I just want to say the best thing I got out of it was with everything financial, you have to stop and think about your situation because no two people are the same. For sure, for you know, sure. Not, what works for one person doesn't work for another one. Everybody has to stop and think about it. I, I totally agree because you are your greatest asset. Mm-hmm. And, and too many people think if they pick the right financial asset, well, right for whom? And, uh, you know, I, there's a kind of a, a saying that we say, which is there aren't risky investments, just risky investors. Mm-hmm. And because it's, it's about your knowledge, your expertise, and, and there's really not a lot out there about people investing in things that they have any passion for or expertise around, but everyone's got expertise, mm-hmm. but it just may not be in the in stock something. market. That's right. You know, Nancy, I was thinking also, there's a, there's an important concept here, and that is that you apply principles, you understand and apply principles, and there's a big difference between principles and techniques techniques can vary but principles are always consistent and if you can find out what the principle is behind any given technique then that's going to help you figure out how to apply that in a way that works for you specifically yep, and here's a good question what's the value proposition mm-hmm. how do people mm-hmm. benefit from it absolutely but you gotta look and make sure that something fits your life yep and where mm-hmm. it's going yep for sure and for sure. no two people are alike that's no right. two families are alike. So you got to get clear about what your what your belief is and what your plan is mm-hmm. when it comes down to your finances, and don't let a rate of return sway it, or don't let That's an emotion right. sway it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and don't let some highfalutin financial advisor sell you on a technique that doesn't fit you. 
That's part of what I'm hearing you say also, Nancy. Yeah. Uh, well, but it, yeah, it just gets back to the thing of everybody has to take a look at their situation before they do something. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks. Did you have any uh, questions beyond that? Nope. That was it. But it was a very good book. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you, Nancy. Anyone else? This is Kirk Tyler in Colorado. Kirk, go ahead. Uh, I also first heard of you with uh, Robin Robbins. Great. And, and immediately ordered the book while I was still listening to the interview. <laughs> nice. Because mostly because it was clear that you had values, and you 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 know that that's. That's a reflection of where I like to be and what I value myself in, in myself as well as certainly in other people. The question and what, what caused me to order and what caused me to go further was this concept of finding out what your soul, S-O-U-L, purpose is. And my problem has been, even with regard to the, the business that Robin Robbins is motivated to do, uh, is I thoroughly enjoy whatever it is I've done in the past. I've, you know, I've had three or three major careers over my life, and this is kind of my third one, and and I've enjoyed them all. And what I enjoyed about them were the people that I got to work with. But that doesn't it doesn't provide me with passion for what I'm necessarily doing in the sense that wow, this is it. It's like well, this is one thing. It could be something different. How do you narrow that down? Okay, that's a great question. That's a great question. So I, I specifically um, was able to attend. So this is funny because there's another Garrett. His name's Garrett White. Yes. We have a radio show together. And uh, he's a business partner of mine. And he's an executive advisor in the Freedom Fast Track. And and a trainer. So, I mean, we, we do a lot of things together, but I actually was a participant in the sole purpose blueprint, at, uh, that he did just last week. It was a two day event, most powerful two day event I've ever attended. And I'm a junkie. I go to a lot of things because I'm always looking <laughs> to learn. And what he did, the, he did a coolest thing where he had you just take your Colby test, K O L B E, which talks about your conation. And then he had you highlight it, you know, what the key characteristics were. He had you send out a letter to people to find out what they thought your abilities were. And then, you know, to 15 people to get at least 10 letters back and then highlight the main things there. And then he had you do, this is funny, he had you do your natal report to find out, you know, what uh, astrologically is being said and highlight what things were most consistent there. I mean, he's just looking for, you know, everything. Anywhere he can. Yeah. Huh? What he, had you, he had you do exercises like, what do you think your, your gifts are? And then you, you list those and then you narrow it down to five. And then he had you list what your values are and narrow that down to five, what your roles are. And then you narrow that down to five. And then by the end of the thing, we were actually coming up with the sole purpose mission statement, which is I am and I stand for. And you could have it wow. narrowed down into one paragraph. And I got to tell you, I've never been more exhausted after two days because, it, I mean, this <laughs> took some real soul searching. And I teach this stuff. I'm putting out the book, Killing Sacred Cows, and he's just challenging me and, and just, you know, just going right there to, to bring this out. And it's the most effective thing I've seen 
for getting mm-hmm. clear about what to do to express your sole purpose, not only in your career, but in your family life and just on a, on a mm-hmm. consistent basis. And they even put together this graphical, like there's a graphic artist that's been through the process and he put together, you know, for Garrett White and himself and his wife, a, a picture behind what the sole purpose mission statement was for them and then let people order through him their own picture based upon their mission statement so they could view it as well as say it. And uh, so there's all these different exercises in that. Now, you know, so you're asking a pretty big question in a pretty short amount and period of time. So that was Mm -hmm. the best thing that I could tell you to really narrow it down and get focused in it is go through an exercise like that. Mm -hmm. And I know that I know that Garrett White's doing another another one of those October, I think it's 10th and 11th, if that's a Friday and Saturday in Salt Lake City. And, uh, you know, I'd I just loved what he did there because that was the most mm-hmm. powerful thing that I've seen done. But there's other things that you could do, like is on a daily basis, do a power hour, which you get up in the morning. And I would say contemplation or meditation or even focus on what ideas are inspiring you most and brainstorming those. There's there's a lot of different things that you can do along the way. Mm-hmm. But um, that's at least a few ingredients for you, a few ingredients. I would also add to that, Garrett, and this this is consistent with what you said, higher coaches and bring mentors into your life it it makes you it makes you have to answer questions and it makes you Mm -hmm. have to spend specific time concentrated on it well this is something that i coach people on quite often too and i've found that finding your sole purpose is a lot like studying your own nose it's too close (laughs) to you to see it clearly right but other people can see it as plain as well the nose on your face right Right. (laughs) and so if you get a trusted mentor or coach that can help you to see and take you through processes like this. And you mentioned a few, Garrett, that you and I have both done through through Dan Sullivan's program, right, the Strategic the Coach, and, yep. and, and the Colby Index. There's a lot of different resources there, mm-hmm. but you got to get outside of your own head. It's You're just too trapped inside of your own to see it clearly. Is that helpful? Very. That's, that's great. And in your power hour, I have- I sat through the vidcast last week or so, and, you know, I just had to sit and pray afterwards because there was too much there to challenge my mind. It was good. Well, hey, I appreciate that. And it's it's just good to see people out there, you know, participating and taking action and, and love it if it's improving your life. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yep. Great question, Kirk. Thanks. I think we may have time for, for maybe another one yeah, or two one questions. Lot, yeah, yeah, maybe let's one. take another. All right. Anybody else? Chad Brown, Provo, Utah. Okay, Chad. Right here thanks the, for, where, right where we're at. Thanks <laughs> for joining us. Go ahead and ask your question. Um, Garrett, can you hear me? I can. Okay. Um, I just wanted to – I know a lot of people generally um, affiliate finances with wealth. Mm-hmm. Can you can you talk a little bit about the the idea of true wealth and what role finances play within that? Great, yeah, that's that's perfect. And I just want to tell you that uh, we're we actually are creating a thing called the the truly wealthy twenty five, and it's going to be this this franchise basically where once a year we uh, when the Forbes four hundred comes out and says four hundred richest people in the world or America, I'm not sure which one it is. I should do a little bit more research, but I think it's the world. And uh, and we're gonna say, all right, out of the four hundred richest, here's the twenty five truly wealthy. Mm. See, finance plays a role in wealth for sure, but it's only one role. There's four other roles, 
And I'm not going to say which one's most important other than I would say sole purpose is the central figure that everything mm-hmm. else branches from there. I, so I would agree with so that. This would be the easy thing to say, Chad. I mean, would you give up all your relationships for all the money in the world? Of course not. Yeah. Or what about your health for all the money in the world? Or what about you had to always be in fear, worry, and scarcity, but you could have all the money you could ever imagine. Oh. Or you had to do what you hated on a daily basis for a career, but you could have all the money in the world. See, finance is a part of it because some people say, well, money's not important. But here's the thing. If you say that, you might not have much of it because what I say is unimportant. <laughs> I don't typically have a lot of. That's right. And it doesn't, money's not required to have happiness in the short run. But I think to be part uh, of society and be effective in it, it's a very useful tool that b- gives you some additional ways to exchange and to utilize the services of others. And therefore, I think that money is actually, in some regards, a very spiritual expression. Not when it's worshipped and not when it's put up on an altar. Or people, oh, I love money, I want money. But when you think about it, it's just a byproduct of value creation. And value creation of someone's sole purpose is them serving human beings. And so money is one piece of the role of wealth, but you can be rich and broke at the same time. Mm-hmm. You can have plenty of money, but these other four areas, soul purpose, mental, physical, and social, if they're not aligned, if they're not balanced, it's just not that fun. And I'll just tell you, it wasn't that long ago. And man, this is, you know, maybe this is like, okay. So <laughs> July the 4th, July the 4th, most of my bank accounts were very much drained. We made a massive error on a calculation with the book that was an additional $70,000 cost um, that was unexpected. Uh, I had just put all the money into the PR firm and into, you know, uh, all the rest of the duplication of the books. And so, you know, I'd written a lot of checks. uh, And basically, I would say from a financial standpoint, it was a unique day because Never had I had less cash available to me in my accounts than, right the, then. Uh, you know, than then. But never had I felt so much happiness because financially I had more opportunity than ever. I was about to talk to someone I consider a real mentor, which was Alex Mendocian. I was about to give him oh, a phone yeah. call. And so we had a great conversation. And, and, and I was about to meet with my writer after that and go through some things. And I love creating there. And then I went and I went to the, a pool party with my family. And there's, you know, we're, we're talking about our 4th of July plans. And just so grateful my son's on my back in the swimming pool. And I'm swimming back and forth. And we're diving in. I mean, it's just, I'm sitting there going, you know what? Money didn't buy this happiness today. But I don't want to be without money every day. Right? Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, it, it only takes one day where I'm out of parity with my wife, with our relationship, and then my whole energy is different that day. My whole, you know, I can't be all excited about my financial opportunities that day if I don't have her on the same page with me and that we're not in a loving mode and loving mood. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. I can't really be in scarcity and have a whole big check come in that day and go, whoa, life's so grand. <laughs> I'm so glad I made $100,000 and I'm in utter scarcity. You know, I mean, right. it, so, right. so it's, it's an important part, but it's not the only part. And that's, one of my, that's really a mission I have is let's get people beyond the focus of money where that they can have money, but it's not their life's goal and ambition. It's just something mm-hmm. that's part of the process, not the end. And they realize what it is and what it's for. Right. So is that helpful, Chad? Fantastic. Thank you. That was a great question as well. Well, we're up against our our time limit here. 
Some of you may still have some questions. Feel free to post those at liveonpurposeradio.com in conjunction with uh, with the recording that we will be posting on that website just a little later on this evening. And, uh, Eric, how do they get a hold of you if they want to uh, communicate with you? Well, one, one thing you could do is if you go to GarrettBGunderson.com, I haven't talked about this site in a long time, but I have two R's, two T's, G-A-R-R-E-T-T, B is in Breck or boy, Gunderson.com. You can go and there's videos of me being with the press that I think that there's a bunch of the radio show recordings where I've been on other stations. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they're not, they're coming up on that site. And then killingsacredcows.com is another great great place to go. I'm blogging there. And I'm going to start blogging again on GarrettBGunderson.com, which I've taken a long break. That was strategic. It's an attractive website. I was told in order to uh, sell books, you stop blogging. And so I stopped blogging, but I'll tell you, I've got a lot that I've been holding back on. And these are like premises, philosophies in the financial, but even more than that, um, from spiritual to quality of life, to parenting, to, you know, and these are just my nuances, beliefs, but I want to share them because I think that I've learned a little bit in some of those areas. So you are about to turn that loose on the world. Just, just look forward to that. That's excellent. Well, I would encourage all of you, of course, to get the book and get it, uh, into your head share it with other people as well so that you can have this information and and just keep moving forward and live on purpose yeah and the answer to a lot of these questions all you got to do is go on to uh you know live on purpose radio.com click on that link that takes you to the the section i created specifically for dr paul and the people Mm -hmm. on this call and there's a bunch of goodies for buying the book that are going to help you with your sole purpose help you with investing in yourself on a daily basis and it's it'll be it'll seem silly how much is there for what you're paying but we're just looking to create massive massive value and reward the people that are doing great things out there well that is awesome garrett thank you so much for joining me for this call thank you for having me on we have to do this periodically because we both enjoy it so dang much and thanks for the questions out there loved them (laughs) thanks to all of you go out there and live on purpose